Welcome back to the Florida History Podcast. I'm Carter Krishnire. I'm joined this week by Brooke Hines. So, Brooke, we're going to talk today about the recent history of the Space Coast and Brevard County and that whole area. Uh, but before we get into that, I want you to uh, to let the listeners know what you're doing now with PNN. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for having me on, Cardick. Uh, uh, Progressive News Network, or PNN, was founded by Rick Spizak nine years ago. And just recently, Rick has uh, endeavored to embark on a, uh, a, a very exciting new chapter of his life. He's going to travel around the United States in, uh, in an RV. Uh, and he picked a very inopportune time to do that. But uh, we're still doing, he's passed the show down to me. And so I'm running the show with reports from the road from Rick every week. And uh, you know, we're just kind of staying the course. I know I do have a, a little bit of a, a different take on things than, than Rick does, but his presence is still very much felt. He still reports every single week. Brooke, you actually grew up on the Space Coast and wanted to walk through the history of that area from the 1950s on because I think there's been a revival in interest in the area with the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 launching uh, last year in, in 2019. We saw uh, the American Experience on PBS uh, put out a three-part special which featured a lot of like daily life in, in Cocoa Beach and, and places around Cape Canaveral as well as uh, the Apollo 11 film on CNN and other documentaries. So there's been a lot of revival in the interest in Brevard County, in a lot of revival in interest about the Space Coast in that era. Yeah, well, uh, I grew up right next to Patrick Air Force Base, uh, just right on the other side of Pineda Causeway. And Patrick Air Force Base is the Air Force part of the military that uh, handles a lot of the, uh, uh, up until the late 70s, handled all of the missile launch pads. So there's the two main launch pads. 39A and B that are the big ones for NASA and the space shuttle and the Apollo program. And then all the rest of them that go down the uh, Cape there were the um, were part of the military. And that's what uh, Patrick Air Force Base did for quite some time. And uh, the little neighborhood that I grew up in is called South Patrick Shores, which had been that neighborhood that... Uh, couple of, I want to say one, two, three, four, probably what we would call four large blocks uh, from north to south, is uh, it was a, uh, a waste dump for the Air Force Base between the time it was a the uh, considered the Banana River uh, Air Force installation to the time that it became Patrick. Uh, so that whole area, all of those residential properties, um, were built on top of uh, ordnance that had been buried and all kinds of chemicals, and there's been all kinds of um, fallout from that with regard to health outcomes and, and so on and so forth. But growing up there, uh, I went 
my first elementary school there was on base. It was at South Patrick Elementary, which was uh, shut down when I was going between the fifth and the sixth grade. And and that was the beginning. So fifth and sixth grade for me would have been like, uh, I want to say 1976-ish. There was a... Uh, uh, a movement to do privatization to to, to change some of the mission at, at Patrick, uh, and there was less interplay between the uh, Air Force Base assets and uh, civilian folks like myself, uh, and it, it became more kind of closed off. Whereas before. You know, all of the all of the uh, military housing ran. You you had North Cape Heart and you had South Cape Heart and you had the housing up on base. So you had basically from uh, from South Cocoa Beach all the way down to Satellite Beach was in some way, shape, or form associated with Patrick and therefore associated uh, t- uh, tangentially uh, to the space program. And uh, almost everybody I grew up with was in some way connected to either the radar installation or the missile program. Uh, everyone from engineers to uh, maintenance or, or uh, fire workers, uh, safety and, and environmental hazard folks, that's, that's who lived there and that's who I grew, grew up with. If you would you would have a really hard time finding people like myself who weren't connected to the, the military or to the space program during that time. And then I left in 1982, and that was a real contraction. The last couple of years that I was there, we saw a major contraction of the kinds of businesses and, and the kinds of employees that were associated with Patrick, you started to see some of that move over to Palm Bay, you know, where the uh, private contractors were. So that was the beginning of this um, government contracting and, and privatization, of course, that was uh, uh, Harris Telecom was the main business that was uh, that had been the precursor of all the others that um, uh, flocked over to Palm Bay. And uh, when I came back in uh, the early 2000s, I was just shocked at how things had changed. We had gone from, that area had gone from a working families kind of area where you know there was there was a, a a bit of a class divide in terms of you had people with a lot of money were living on the water on the banana river on the indian river side or on the ocean front um but then you had like just normal folks living up and down the beach when i came back i was shocked at the different economic situation that you saw so all of a sudden we had right over the causeway we had bmw dealerships that had never been there before all kinds of luxury cars all kinds of uh, uh luxury residential development that had not 
been there before. And, you know, most of this is associated as, as the time went on. You saw more of this associated with South Brevard, Palm Bay area-ish, O'Galley, and less associated up around Titusville and, you know, where the, where the launch pads are. But now I'm going to make a little prediction. I think with um, the new wave of privatization uh, that we're seeing with like companies like SpaceX, I think we're going to see a lot more happening in Titusville. And there's going to be more photo focus on North Brevard than there was in South Brevard in years prior. So a little bit of history, Brooke. Uh, Patrick Air Force Base was actually the first installation on the Space Coast. It was uh, uh, the first military installation. It, it opened in 1940 as the Banana River Naval Air Station, uh, Banana River NAS. 1958, we have the Explorer 1 launch from Cape Canaveral. Uh, we had first a launch that that, that didn't uh, – the rocket blew up on the launch pad, and that was a direct uh, response to Sputnik. And, uh, which had been launched by the Soviet Union in 1957, and there was all sorts of panic across the country when this launch didn't come come off in 1958. But then the space program gets going in 58 from Cape Canaveral. 1958, also a significant date in Orange County. That is when the Lockheed Martin, previously Martin Marietta, prior to that, Martin Corporation, right, Martin Corporation, opened their plant on Sand Lake Road, right at Sand Lake and by Sand Lake and Kirkman, which is why they built that cloverleaf interchange for rapid movement of, of these parts of rockets and and and, uh, and things to the Cape. Uh, and you could take uh, uh, Sand Lake to McCoy Road and connect towards Cocoa, or you could connect uh, to State Road 50 and get to Titusville that way. McCoy Road eventually gets turned into an expressway, the Beeline Expressway, and... and um, now the Beachline Expressway and McCoy uh, Air Force Base, which was right there, uh, eventually became Orlando International Airport. Orlando's commercial airport in the 1950s and up until the mid to late 1960s was actually Herndon Airport, which is uh, off what is now the East-West Expressway, right? The East-West Expressway wasn't there at the time. Commercial flights came in and out of Orlando, which was a, a smallish city then. Disney World wasn't opened. Uh, there was a, obviously a, a thriving citrus industry, and that was uh, that was Orlando's big thing at the time. Uh, so the B-Line gets built, and it gets built right to Cape Canaveral, but there was talk of an extension or a, a leg that went down, similar to how the 407 goes up toward Titusville, another leg to come down towards Melbourne, Igali, that area, connect with what eventually became the Pineda Causeway. Uh, that was blocked by environmentalists, and that would have required another leg right after the bridge over the St. John's River, which divides Brevard and Orange Counties, uh, and that was blocked. So that was never built. And the Pineda Causeway, which you referenced, was eventually built in the late 1970s, and that, that allowed the rapid transit of rockets uh, and other parts and, and planes, etc., from uh, from points west to Patrick Air Force Base. And uh, there was an exit at State Road 3. There was an exit at US-1. To be honest with you, I haven't been to the area recently. I know there's been a lot of work on that causeway. I think they were building a bridge over uh, the railroad tracks, the FEC tracks, etc. But um, I, I don't know what the status of it is now. I know for a while the Pineda Causeway had kind of fallen into a certain degree of disrepair. But um, anyway, that's a that's a brief history of the area. So, Brooke, uh, one thing I uh, want to really hit on in this show is the evolution of the Space Coast and the evolution of Brevard County and, and, and kind of 
the shift from very heavy government-related jobs and the enthusiasm John Kennedy and Lyndon Johnson had for the space program to the kind of dampened enthusiasm that Richard Nixon had. Apollo 11, ironically, happened while Nixon was president, but he was not a, necessarily a fan of the cost of space exploration and eventually wound down the Apollo program, uh, very consciously wound it down. Jimmy Carter uh, was uh, very hesitant about space programs, spending money on that. Uh, the space station Skylab program, essentially got sunsetted uh, by him. The space shuttle program got delayed. Uh, and in fact, the first shuttle launch into space ended up taking place when Reagan was president because of all these delays under Carter. Uh, Carter not wild about the space station idea either. So I think what you begin to see in the 1970s because of Nixon and Carter is uh, more of a privatization around industries related to the space uh the space program. Now, obviously, you had, uh, as I mentioned, Martin Marietta in Orlando. You had Boeing and McDonnell Douglas, McDonnell Douglas in particular, I think, in Titusville, uh, defense contractors and space contractors. But more of these types of things pop up. And then I think you also see a political evolution in Brevard County. Brevard County was one of the first places in the state that elected Republicans. But they elected these kind of country club-oriented Republicans, the Lou Fry types uh, who recently passed away, uh, those types that were very um, into certain degree of government spending. They may have been conservative in, in, in some respects, certainly conservative on social issues, but there was a certain uh, interest in, in government spending, interest in science, interest in, in engineering, and, and enhancing those programs. A lot of Democrats won on the Space Coast also, uh, the Jim Backuses and the Bill Nelsons, etc., as a kid with a dad who worked for NASA, we lived in South Florida. My dad worked out of Florida Atlantic University in the technology transfer division of NASA. So that was a partnership between NASA and the state university system. So his office was actually in Boca Raton. But we'd go up for just about every launch. It was the only time I'd get out of school. The only time my parents would let me not go to school is when we went to launches. And I got to know a lot about Governor Graham because he was in the VIP area, the same VIP area we were of so many launches and became a huge fan of Bob Graham because of that. I think what we've seen evolve is you've gone from an area that would elect the Grahams and the Nelsons and the Bacchuses, but then also kind of at a local level elect a lot of Republicans, the Lou Fry types I mentioned. There were a number of Republican state senators and uh, state reps that were, that were fairly moderate to kind of a more radicalized kind of conventional Republican like uh, uh, now um, the Randy Fines and the, uh, and the uh, 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 Dave Weldon types. Yeah, well, because you were, I, I think it, it makes perfect sense because we're moving from space sciences to military and defense contracting. And with military and defense contracting blossoming on, on the Space Coast, that attracted a whole different set of uh, contractors, different kinds of people were coming into the area, and we started to resemble more uh, Southern California, like that San Diego kind of vibe yeah. that is... Uh, Orange County, California, which, yeah, between Orange County yeah. and San Diego County, they were the two most... Yeah, yeah. this to me is a strange one, because this is why a lot of people in the South would say, oh, we're so conservative, and throughout the 90s, I would say, no, the most conservative places in, in the 80s and 90s uh, were 
really kind of Orange County, California and San Diego County, California. They're the most conservative parts of the country. Maybe the conservatism was different, but it was just a place with a ton of defense contractors and everybody tied to the military and everybody not only um, conservative, but I think very, very militaristic in a way that you didn't necessarily have in other parts of the country. And that is exactly the vibe. So, so when you say rabid right, right wing, it is a particular flavor of rabid right wing. It's, um, in other words, uh, it's going to be different than the kind of right wingers that you run into, say in uh, in the in, in the South, like in Tennessee and Georgia, places like that that I'm familiar with. It's the much more military flavored, and it's the kind of military flavoring that comes along with government contracting because. When I was growing up, and it sounds like my parents, you know, when I was a kid, uh, military folks that we were surrounded by were, uh, a lot of them had enlisted, you know, there were a lot of people who made it up through the ranks after enlisting. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, very elite, you know, but the people who were elite, you know, they, they went to the officer's club and there was that country club republicanism with a... Uh, with the changes that came in the 80s, with the changes that uh, that followed during the Clinton administration, with all this government contracting, you had this entrepreneurial and uh, very defense-friendly uh, kind of republicanism, which is, it's a different flavor than the uh, normal, normal, the uh, traditional um, uh, enlisted man. Yeah, uh, sorry to jump in, Brooke, but I would agree with that. In fact, I would say the Republican on the Space Coast was very different than, or the type of conservative on the Space Coast was very different than the type of conservative in uh, the Pensacola area, or Fort Walton Beach, that, that area, Panama City, which had a, 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 t- a number of military installations. I think there were three places in the state with, with significant military installations. Uh, the Panhandle, the Space Coast, and then Tampa with McDill. Uh, I, I suppose Homestead also in, in South Florida, but they, they had less of an impact on the electorate because South Florida had a lot more people. Um, and same thing with Tampa. Really, McDill didn't have as much of an impact on the electorate. But in the panhandle, they elected for years these very conservative Democrats, Char- uh, 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 Bob Sykes, sorry, uh, forgot his name for a minute, Bob Sykes, and then uh, Earl Hutto. And the, and. They were these kind of militaristic, pro-defense, conservative Democrats, conservative on race, conservative on social issues. Eventually, when Hutto retires, Hutto was from Panama City, by the way. When he retired, um, Joe Scarborough took that seat, and Joe Scarborough was not this uh, anti-Trump, pro-Joe Biden um, liberal you now see on MSNBC. I mean, he was uh, very conservative. His voting record was probably 100% different than Joe Biden's voting record at the time in the U.S. Senate. <laughs> you know, let's be honest about it. With the exception of environmental issues, where he was always, he always had a bit of an environmental streak uh, uh, in, into coastal waters and against oil drilling, that sort of stuff. But other than environmental issues, and then that seems to be kind of a model for a lot of conservative Florida Republicans. Is they go far right on everything, except for the environmental issues, because those are kind of local issues they have to stay somewhere in the middle on so scarborough followed that playbook brevard county elected much more kind of 
softer conservatives, right? They were electing Republicans also, and they were electing conservative or moderate Democrats. But their Democrats would be moderate, right? They'd be like the Bacchuses and the Nelsons, the Bill Gunters. Uh, they wouldn't be out-and-out conservatives like Sykes and, and Hutto. And uh, when they switched to Republicans, initially they were uh, – uh, and actually they had elected Republicans before, unlike the Panhandle. They were always electing these kind of soft um, – what what uh, – the, the conservative Republicans would deride as Me Too liberals, right? That that wing of the Republican Party that was pro-spending on uh, a government spending, they just didn't want to spend as much as the Democrats. Yes, and, you know, the, that also reminds me, too, that uh, the diversity profile changed. So there was, uh, there was one kind of diversity, which still wasn't very diverse, uh, when I was growing up, and you know, and you saw that within the kind of uh, engineering intelligentsia, and within the proliferation of the defense contracting, uh, the the uh, diversity that grew grew on the mainland rather than on the beach side, which is what I'm a little bit more familiar with. Um, but it still wasn't, it's still not that kind of diversity that produces any kind of social uh, uh, liberalism. It's more of that uh, libertarian kind of flavor of, you know, we're, we're uh, entrepreneurial and, um, you know, this is a, a, we're more interested in business interests and economic uh, interest of the uh, up middle classes and up than of working people. Wanted to kind of finish this conversation talking about the sprawlishness of Palm Bay. Um, that city was so diametrically different than the rest of Brevard County. And, and I, I talked earlier about how I had gone to Brevard County a lot growing up with my, with my parents because uh, my dad had worked for NASA. I didn't really spend any time in Brevard County in the 1990s. I was in college. I was uh, going to Washington, D.C. for a long time, uh, Tallahassee. I was living in these different places. Maybe drove through the Space Coast. Maybe that was the most I did on I-95. But 2002, I'm working for the Democratic Party. My main focus is Central Florida for the Florida Democratic Party. And so I spent a ton of time in Brevard County. And Palm Bay was like... What is this? I mean, this isn't the Space Coast. This wasn't the Brevard County I remembered. And it was more like the sprawlishness of like Brandon or uh, Port St. Lucie, uh, those sorts of places. Uh, Northport, which is uh, south of Sarasota, north of uh, Port Charlotte. I mean, it was like one of those places. It, it had nothing about Brevard County to me. I, I'm not trying to insult the place, but it just, it, it was culture shock when in 2002 I started exploring Palm Bay for electoral purposes. And it, it's nothing, it's nothing like Melbourne, which is right there. So, um, what was what was your experience when you came back uh, to Central Florida and you discovered the change? Absolutely could not believe it. Uh, one of the things that really surprised me was that people that I had grown up with uh, at Beachside, uh, who stayed in the area, a lot of them ended up buying their homes in Palm Bay because... It was the, the land was super cheap and it was it was super available. And I got back and I visited my friends out in you know, parts of Florida that 
had been nothing but wilderness when I left and was just absolutely shocked at how, at how, first of all, everything was super packed in, but also that the, uh, the planning was absolutely non-existent. It was just, it, it is the worst kind of sprawl that you can imagine because it's just, the road gets extended, the ingress and egress, uh, of businesses is just really nilly. Uh, it, it was, it's just, it was a free-for-all. Right, for and they're hemmed, in, they're hemmed in on one side by I-95 and on the other by the St. John's River, so they push north or south, right? They never push, they can never mm-hmm. push far enough west because of the river. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, it just happened, it just happened overnight. So you had this flight of, of working families who had been able to live on each side uh, a lot of this had to do with uh, being able to afford insurance, uh, housing for your for your house, and flood insurance and all that just went sky high at a certain point, and it priced people out of the market, even for modest houses on a beach side. And you saw people just wanting to spread out more, and so they they all moved to uh, Palm Bay, uh, and a lot of people were uh, employed in the. In the, in the new industry out there. So as I was going into college, a lot of people that I grew up with were uh, uh, getting like an associate's degree and starting off at Harris Telecom and working their, their way up and you know, doing their bachelor's and then going to Harris. That was really the big attractor. And as all these other uh, smaller contractors uh, flocked out there, there uh, just flocks of new people started coming in to Palm Bay, and then so so, wait, so uh, point being, I think what you what you saw at a certain point was a flight of uh, one class of people moving from Beachside to mainland and further out west, and then you saw this other class of people who were coming in from other places to work at the defense contractors who were taking up residence in the uh, housing where, you know, people had grown up with, on a, uh, grown up at, at beach side. So there was like a switcheroo. Because people who have a uh, um, professional managerial class income could then afford to come back and uh, buy the housing that, that people's families had, you know, grown up with before who were just working families. Fascinating stuff. We will have to get you back on the Florida History Podcast at some point. You can uh, listen to Brooke at, on PNN every week. Uh, check out uh, Progressive News Network, and we will be back with you next week with another new edition of the Florida History Podcast.